Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Fa, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys, and Lady of Jameson, Lord John of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel, Lady Adrian of House Dillard, Lady Ashley of House Gardner, Lady Lismalin of House Morales. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Sir Ryan of House Turbush, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current Master of Coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. Squire to Sir Matt, Lady Betsy of House Hudson. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Peter Baelish, a.k.a. Littlefinger's grand plan in the winds of winter. Yes, as uh, this comes to us from, um, we get a, a raven here, uh, Maester Durek, um, and he says, Hey, Sir Matt and Ezra, I'm just wondering if you guys could talk about Littlefinger in one of your episodes. He's one of my favorite characters, and I am interested in hearing how you think he will fit into George's plans. I do at least hope we will get a different ending than we got in the HBO series, because I don't think they did a great job at writing him, especially not in season seven when he was in Winterfell. So, hey, thank you, uh, Maester Durek. Uh, guess what? We're doing an entire podcast on it. I went and found some really cool stuff, uh, just some of the rave, some of the reddit theories and whatnot and sort of combined a few and added some stuff to it and we're going to be going over it this was actually the song of ice and fire reddit's winner for one of their best uh reddit theories Oh, was it really okay yeah 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 so this one this was it's really it's 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 really good so we're gonna be diving into that today because he's right yeah peter baelish is we've talked about this several times as that peter baelish's hbo ending it seemed yeah. like it was to me is that was when i that was when i when it first seemed like all right something's up they, <laughs> something's, they, yeah. something's up my friend <laughs> well it, it and because like we're thinking sansa and Arya might not meet up that way not in that region sansa took the place of jane pool like it's all over the place in the show and yeah it just it doesn't seem like it whatever george revealed to them it's not gonna work because of decisions they made prior to cut some of that stuff. I go back to one thing here. One, one crazy thing. When you start season one of A Game of Thrones, they did not know the ending. Okay? No. Dan and Dave didn't know the ending. Let me tell you this. Okay? 
Neither did George. (laughs) Neither did George. Okay. He didn't know the ending or he would have written it, my friends. Now, he, so then you get into season three and four and they say, hey, we need to meet because we're running out of whatever. He's trying to say, no, there's more material there. You should cover that material. They're like, we need the endpoints. And I bet you George was sitting there going, holy smokes. They want me to give them the endpoints on my story and like the big bullet points. And some of them are still evolving. <laughs> like in 2014 and 2015, my friend, three to four years after his last book, He's been saying it's coming when the winds of winter is on its way. It'll be here. It, it just blows my mind to think then that they didn't have the endpoint. They they took Sansa in this direction and Littlefinger here. And then they're like, well, how are we supposed to get him back over there, George? We've got him here in the show. You've got him over here. And like, we didn't know you were going to do that or that's where you're headed. I I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, crazy. So we're going to dive into that um, today, but before we begin, as we, you know, we we got we got we got to say something here, okay? Attention to all of our listeners across the galaxy, my friend, all the way from Australia to Houston or Germany, as is in, as is case. Uh, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders and male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Matt, I guarantee that this that this device, and I know this because I've used it, all right, it is so safe that you could actually use it on your little finger and not make a nick. A single whatsoever. Cut. Yeah, I mean, it's that safe, all right? When it's safe enough to use on your little finger, it's safe, friends. Well, you know, maybe that's the difference. Maybe little finger uses the lawnmower 4.0. And that's why he still has a little finger, whereas his <laughs> arch nemesis Varus has none. Okay. Wow. Maybe he used, maybe uh, he used the wrong tool for maybe the job. Maybe he used the wrong tool. Oh my god. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, it might be a problem in Westeros because you know, Theon, Grey Worm, you know, Varys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they all need to. That's what yeah. happens. That's what happens when you use the wrong tool for the job, my friend. Yeah, so, yeah. with that, all right, guys, make sure to get twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided twenty at manscaped.com. It's twenty percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided twenty at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond. Your space balls will thank you. Can I just say? I want to say this here, okay? While we're right at this spot, because. I laughed about this for probably two to three days after this. I know a lot of uh, of our friends here on Game of Thrones. Maybe you're not into Star Wars. We also do Heroes of the Horn, which is our Wheel of Time podcast. We're running Manscaped ads on all of this. The other day, we are doing a hyperspace episode. And I had to play it just over and over. I, I went back to it and I, I laughed. I died laughing. I almost clipped it up and made it like a YouTube thing or like a YouTube slash Instagram thing. I think I still might you do should. this. At one point though, if you if you've ever seen the sequels in Star Wars, and I know we have some Star Wars fans, right? Somehow, we don't know how, but Palpatine is back. <laughs> So Matt makes, oh, this, yeah. Matt makes this joke where he says like he's like, as you think like 
like like you had said that earlier about Palpatine. You had referenced it in the Manscaped ad, and then you're like, you think you know Poe Dameron ever just looked down, like looks down at his bush, and he was like, somehow we don't know how, <laughs> but it's back. <laughs> and then after that, I said, you know, the dark side is a path to many. It, guys, it was it was freaking. You have to go listen to it. Oh, maybe I'll put it in the group. Um, because it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. I start. I I couldn't recover. Like it takes a lot for me not to be able to. I'm a professional. Dag on it. And hey, I could not recover from that joke. Oh, man. Sorry. Uh, okay. All right, Ez. Yeah. Jokes aside, we, we're going to dive in. We're going to dive into um, some very serious stuff here as we talk about Peter Baelish, a.k.a. Littlefinger. I had to put the a.k.a. in there. Otherwise, Ez will mess it up as messed up our intro like five times because <laughs> uh, I forgot to put that in there. And he's, I read it exactly. He, Ron Burgundy he, he, style. He, he reads a word for a word. So, yeah. Um, so, anyway, so here we go. So, this, uh, I, you know, again, Master uh, Derek or Derek Daruk, maybe. That's how I, that's how I read it. Little Legend of Zelda reference there. It looks like the same spelling. Hmm. Um, so, this is from Holloway Division on Reddit. It's an older post, but we're, it's Littlefinger's sort of final play. And then as and I will kind of dive into uh, what we think is going to happen with Littlefinger going forward here. So um, a man with no motive says the best running gag in a song of ice and fire is Littlefinger. It happens over and over again. Every time you've forgotten about him, just when you think he's out, he shows up out of nowhere, messes the plot up and hits you with that smile, right? He's saying the Alden Gillian smile, like the guy, the casting for Littlefinger in Game of Thrones, like perfect, mm -hmm. yeah, right? Yes. Um, he says, you know, there's a reason this is a gag. We don't take him seriously when he says he wants everything. Littlefinger is low born. He can't even win any duels. He can't have anything. It's feudalism. But the thing is, our expectations are the nobility's expectations. Everyone trusts him because they assume he's accepted that there's a ceiling to how high he can rise. Guess what? He hasn't. Here's a thought that Jamie has when he was considering who should be hand. This is from A Feast for Crows, Jamie 7. Uh, and he had done his own part at River Run without actually ever taking up arms against the Starks or Tullys. Once he found the Blackfish, he would be free to return to King's Landing where he belonged. My place is with the king, my son. Would Tommen want to know that? The truth could, um, could cost the boy his throne. Would you sooner have a father or a chair, lad? Uh, Jamie wished he knew the answer. He does like uh, stamping papers with his seal. The boy not even believe him to be sure. Cersei would say it was a lie, my sweet sister, the deceiver. He would need to find some way to winkle, um, winkle Tommen from her clutches before the boy became another Joffrey. And whilst at that, he should find a new small council, too. If Cersei can be put aside, Sir Kevin may agree to serve as Tommen's hand. And if not, well, the Seven Kingdoms did not lack for able men. Forley Prester would make a good choice, or Roland Craycall. If someone other than a Westerman was, be, would, uh, was needed to appease the Tyrells, there was always Mathis Rowan. Or even Peter Baelish. Littlefinger was an ad was as admiral admirable as he was clever, but too lowborn to threaten any of the other great lords with no swords of his own. The perfect hand. So that's without a drop of irony or sarcasm. This is his real opinion. No one in the story sees him coming, including us. 
Littlefinger can't win with force of arms, and he isn't someone of noble birth. He wants to bring down the system, but that's impossible, right? What's he going to do? Kill every single prominent member of nobility? What is he actually planning? Well, let's go over his plan. He's tied to three things in the story. Cause as much chaos as possible. Littlefinger instigated literally all of the wars in the series. He gets San- His second part is to get Sansa under his control. Interestingly, he first realizes Sansa is important at the tourney of the hand. And finally, get Harrenhal. The only time we did see him get upset in the story is when he's denied Harrenhal. Nothing else really matters to him. The veil doesn't matter. It's all just the staging ground for, uh, for the bigger plan. The second grand tourney at Harrenhal. My suspicion is that Sansa was supposed to grow up and learn how to play the Game of Thrones in the five-year gap. Now, remember, George was originally mm-hmm. sort of planning this five-year gap. And, and that was potentially what could have happened. But instead, George uh, gave her a tutorial mission, you know, the Tournament of the Veil. Uh, so Lord of Harrenhal. A lot of fishy supernatural stuff happens at Harrenhal, but Littlefinger wants it for a very, very practical reason. Let's go back to the last grand tourney at Harrenhal. All the great lords and knights of the realm gather to complete an attorney hosted by Walter Went at his brother Oswell's suggestion. Perhaps, you know, by Rhaegar. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're assuming here Rhaegar provides Went with the gold sufficient for the splendid prizes in order to bring as many lords and knights to Harrenhal as possible. The prince, it is said, had no interest in the tourney. As a tourney, his intent was to gather the great lords of the realm together in what amounted to an informal great council in order to discuss ways and means of dealing with the madness of his father, King Ares II, possibly a means of regency or a forced abdication. Harrenhal is a perfect place for any informal council like that. It's in the Riverlands. Uh, which is sort of equidistant from all of the great armies and strongholds. So basically the entire ruling class of Westeros was in one place. The Night of the Laughing Tree and Howland interfere, but the tournament itself was originally just the excuse for the back-channeling. So let's return to the present. The country is in absolute chaos, largely due to Littlefinger. The Lannisters are the ones who won't make peace, and if Aegon, young Griff, takes the throne, he'll have to bring together the lords of a fractured realm. After all this war, it's possible many of them would, would be ready to accept Aegon, not to mention the war created the High Sparrow and the Faith Militant, an independent peacekeeping force that can't be bought and is strongly connected to the Riverlands. If he affirms Aegon as king, the Faith uh, Militant could act like the United Nations. At that point, Littlefinger will reach out to all of the Lords of the Realm and call another informal great council at his seat of Harrenhal. He's got more than enough gold, and one of the three great lords is seriously in debt to him. Harrenhal is currently occupied by Bonifer Hasty, a religious man and uh, lapsed Targaryen loyalist who orders to only give it up to Littlefinger. He says, I can't emphasize this enough. Littlefinger has caused, uh, you know, War A and War B, you know, made himself into the only person who can broker a truce. People will jump at the chance because everybody trusts Littlefinger. He's low-born, has no army, he can't uh, red-wedding anyone, and Jamie thinks he's as admirable as he is clever. So about three to four, uh, so about three-fourths of our characters we know answer the call. All the lords in the realm, the great and small, the high towers and the Tyrells, the Martells and the Yonrids, uh, Bronn and Stokeworth, Malisters, basically, you know, everybody. Um 
every knight and warrior in the series. They all show up with their squires and servants and noble lords and maybe a small guard. It could be more than a thousand people in total. The plan, have an enjoyable tournament and make peace behind the scenes. And now comes the final step of Littlefinger's plans. Unveil Sansa Stark. Some of you are probably familiar with the fifth suitor theory. I think it's great, but what a lot of people forget is that the Ashford tournament is that Lady Ashford's hand in marriage was promised to be the winner, Harry the heir, a character George pulls out of nowhere and will likely shuffle off this mortal coil before learning she's not Elaine. Again, it's sort of a tutorial mission. So I pulled up the theory here for anyone who's unfamiliar. So... um, The theory here is that the sort of five champions of um, the Attorney at Ashford, which is in the Duncan Egg series, Lord Lionel Baratheon, Leo Tyrell, Tybalt Lannister, Humphrey Harding, and Prince Valar Targaryen, um, they end up, uh, people have noticed that Sansa suddenly begins marrying people or being promised to marry people Mm -hmm. that mirrors the five, those champions. Yeah, yeah. So Sansa's first betrothal is to Joffrey Baratheon, even though technically he's kind of a Lannister. Uh, they planned her to be wed to Willis Tyrell. She is then married to Tyrion Lannister. She's now betrothed to Harry Harding. So finally, perhaps a Targaryen, which we think mm-hmm. could be young Griff or maybe Jon Snow. So he's saying at the start of this tournament, again, remember, we're in sort of creating this theoretical idea here. Littlefinger could unveil Sansa Stark and promise her hand in marriage to the winner. Sansa Stark, the key to the North, and suddenly the tournament won't be a game any longer. It'll be a literal fight for political supremacy. And in the joust, the melee, all of these great warriors will no longer be playing around. They'll be fighting as hard as they can. One can also assume that this tournament, a Faith of the Seven event, will feature Jamie's trial by seven. Uh, and the re- uh, retired Sandor Clegane just learned that Sansa Stark is alive, so could have Clegane Bowl uh, in this in in this as well. So Littlefinger is obviously not going to fight them. He's going to screw them over. By carefully manipulating the feudal system, he's going to trick them into systematically butchering each other for him. After that, who knows? Well, Littlefinger has gone to great lengths to control Robin Aaron, and we know, um, you know, skin changers can throw every single tilt in a tourney. They're riding li- uh, living animals, and since Sure originally intended to skip ahead five years, he has a plan for them. I don't think Sweet Robin is likely to die anytime soon. Also, I assume Lady Stoneheart will make an appearance. Um, but uh, wouldn't that still leave survivors? Probably a few likely including Aegon. But Littlefinger isn't giving Sansa to the winner. He wants her for himself. And he knows about the curse of Harrenhal. He's got Sweet Robin. He knows about the Weirwoods. Harrenhal is right next to the Isle of Faces. And a long time ago, the old gods gathered in the Isle of Faces to call down the Hammer of the Waters. Um, so, you know, too, too long didn't read here. What he's ultimately uh, kind of saying is Littlefinger's plan, cause a devastating war, get Harrenhal, Post up in the Vale until somebody finally takes down the Lannisters and use all of his gold to host a grand tourney at Harrenhal to broker a peace behind the scenes. Unveil Sansa Stark at the tournament and promise her to the winner. And so now they're all killing each other for the same reason that Brandon Stark almost killed him. Wow. Uh, this yeah. is <laughs> yeah, it's cool. This is cool. It's not something I've heard, and and I like this. So, and the little tidbit here in the winds of well, and this is um in, in a world of ice and fire. The whole um, 
the children kind of calling the hammers down and, and the sacrifice that went to the werewolves right there, that there was about a thousand captive men that were fed to the werewolves. And he's suggesting that maybe you'd have about a thousand or so individuals at the tourney, this next grand tourney of, of Harrenhal. And that sacrifice could be made in some way. Just a, just a little kind of interesting connection. But um, yeah, this is, this, is, this is cool, man. You know, the idea that Littlefinger would keep up with the political maneuvering because we've always wondered how does he how do you get to that fifth suitor and how is that fifth suitor going to be a Targaryen Aegon we know is coming in and facing down the Tyrells in the field and and Ariana Martell right behind him trying to catch up and we've talked a lot about King's Landing what's happening there Baelish now you can make you you can make a an offering of some kind or he's dealt with by the Faith Militant yeah this is this is just cool to have everybody gather at, at Heron Hall before some crazy uh, climax situation at um you know it, like at the north or whatever that might either interrupt it or this happens afterwards you know how in the show they kind of had like we dealt with the battle at Winterfell and then we had the King's Landing piece or whatever you know maybe this is the final play this is the final Game of Thrones thing we you know I still feel like you need to do the Song of Ice and Fire as your final cl- climactic right. type of thing but it's hard to tell when he had that five-year gap planned and, and how characters were going to grow and evolve. And there is a nice little tourney happening um, there in the Vale. So, yeah, um, you can do a lot at a tourney, especially at, at, at Harrenhal. I think that's, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I would say that I think the thing, I think, honestly, for me, the, the thing to take away from this, um, it, the biggest stri- striking point is the opening. Because he is he is 1000% correct here. We do always forget about Littlefinger. Yeah. Always. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, most almost all theories immediately just jump to what's going to happen with John and Danny. And we all just kind of think he, that Littlefinger is just going to go sort of away quietly. But that's not the case. And I think that's one of the biggest missteps from the show. Um, because. It it was just those the the beginning of season seven as is one of the first times you and I were watching this we're almost like bored or like oh, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, now I am open to ultimately the idea that it is Arya and Sansa coming together to kind of kill Littlefinger, mm-hmm. um, and I think that could be incredibly incredibly cool that Arya is the one who who just who who find who finally kills him. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's going to happen there, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like like that. It could happen in a, a an infinite number of, of of different different places. Yeah, actually, it would almost be even cooler if Arya were to say, um, change her face into Sansa's. Or no, I guess do they have to be dead? Can you can you can you change yourself into any? I don't I don't know that you can mm. change yourself into anybody that's. That's not, yeah. that, like you can't you can't make yourself look like somebody else that's alive. I don't know that I think you have they have to be dead. In order yeah, I to think use so. Their face yeah, perhaps. I think so. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the show where Arya shows up and she's right. Know, po- yeah, I think so. Because she's just sort of like a random serving girl. Exactly. She's it's always been random people. So never mind. I was gonna say if she could make herself look like you know Sansa and then kill. Like, you know, like, come on to Littlefinger to make it seem like, oh, right. okay. And then she kills him. But yeah. I, right. And then she kills him. That would be, that would be an interesting thing. Um, anywho. So 
let's let's say here that um one we need to remember that he is incredibly incredibly important and he is vying for power and we don't know exactly what he's going to do this would sort of solve some of the the young griff issues we're going to have which is what do we do with him mm -hmm. and you could then you you could then have littlefinger try to marry off sansa to to young griff that could a lot of that could happen way before and then he could sort of use that as a new claim to power with the strength of the veil to then go crush the lannister the lannisters as opposed to riding north as we saw in the show and take down take down the boltons yes that's a good point a lot of people think uh, uh cersei may be pushed back to casterly rock uh when young griff or aegon comes in there or even held captive or something but yeah you could ultimately deal with the lannisters once you've uh, made some type of peace or whatever with Young Griff or, or Aegon. If that's through Sansa, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, I just want to say though, I I so when when you first brought this up, and I'm I'm just again I'm just now hearing this, and I'm I'm thinking back to the beginning of the series. The whole Dagon thing is set off by like the suspicion of the Lannisters lulled me in. We know in the history of this podcast that Sir Ezra wasn't always as watchful, watchful. as he is as he is now. <laughs> but like the the thing is, you get lulled in so much to it's the Lannisters, it's Cersei, it's all this kind. Of, it's not. It's not. It, it's it's actually Littlefinger and it's Lysa wanting to do their own thing and have their own, and he's using Lysa, right? And he's he really does just want to acquire power and to continue to rise through the ranks, and and he wants to ultimately get. You know, with Catelyn Tully if he can, and now he's got Sansa. So that letter that is sent, remember right in the right in the very beginning, a letter is sent that we just we just trust Lysa right. is telling the truth. And then it's revealed, holy smokes, that <laughs> she's totally lying and, and and just pushing this off on the Lannisters. So if you wonder how long George has been thinking about Littlefinger and this character since the beginning. Right. Since since the absolute beginning. And then he ends up being this bad guy right at the end who turns on Eddard Stark and has is a part of him being beheaded. Starts off a whole war. Start starts a war, my friend. Why? He starts a war so he can acquire power, the woman he loves, all that kind of stuff. So he could totally continue. And he is. He's continuing down that that same that same path. Now, what I like is if you want to look at resolution and how does how do you finally beat him or what happens? It's it is I, in some way, I think it's going to be Sansa learning to play that game, but using Baelish back. Right. So he puts her in such a position that where he's grooming her and he's putting her in this position where uh, she's going to be betrothed and she's the lady that everyone's seeking after and all that kind of stuff. And she'll get to the point where even if he does acquire her as his own, right? Like he, like he takes Sansa for his wife or something. And in whatever, whatever position of power he puts himself in, she will also have that same power if she goes with him. And then if Arya and her kill him in some way, now she's sitting in a greater position of power. He helps to kind of, it's almost like instead of the five-year gap where she can grow, she's going to grow through Littlefinger, moving her up the ladder and putting her in, in, a, in a greater position or seat of power. Uh, among other lords, which I think would be really cool, really cool way to say to see her, you know, accelerate or her plot line uh, moved forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think, first of all, 
now that we're talking about this, there is zero chance that George is finishing this in two books. Uh, because there's just zero. I mean, there's, there's zero chance because again, here's another character that you little finger. That's what, that's what fans were so disappointed with in the show is that you felt like you've spent all this time building this guy up just to kill him off in a pretty much unmeaningful way Mm -hmm. was like, there's nothing wrong with building up a character and then having them die because most of the character deaths have all, even the ones that come like, you look, you look, if you look at all of the major character deaths, right? Ned Stark's death in a Game of Thrones is huge. Yeah. I mean, it changes everything, right? It, yeah. it, 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 it literally is, is, is the beginning of the War of the Five Kings. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. that's Rob's like, we're writing, it's done. We're going to war. Here we go. Um, you know, then you go to Rob's death at the Red Wedding. I mean, it's a massive shift of political power massive shift the boltons now control the north stannis is is going to go like begin start start taking you know go north and begin to take back to take winterfell not take back um a lot of that comes from rob's death right the Greyjoys, theon is now is now captured um you now are now we now move into political more sort of political alliances between the tyrells and the lannisters i mean some of that started before but that's sort of where we're at now that's where you're moving to and then the next big piece is joffrey's death right again huge huge implications because now littlefinger is rising you know rising in power so his death cannot just simply be a write-off like it felt like it was in you know in in the show i mean really all that we kind of get is it creates nothing really uh to say mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing it doesn't it doesn't doesn't really do anything um so here his death will will is gonna have to be um it's i obviously i think it'd be a major catalyst for sansa and i think she will ultimately be in involved in involved in his death but his death should also be that he steps too far, right? He reaches too far for power. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the coolest scenes in, in, in the show, and I'm trying to remember if this is in the books, but I don't believe it is, at least not the way it's portrayed in the in, in the show, is the scene where Cersei is talking to Littlefinger and she's like telling the guard, she's like, okay, walk closely, turn around. And all the guards are doing exactly what she's saying. And he's like, no, because he says information is power and she says no power is power and it's sort of like a really cool yeah, yeah. it's a really cool moment between them in 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 the in the show and so that but it, it, i think it does a great job of sort of describing his character and that he has made extremely calculated moves time and time and time again so ultimately typically in in the song of ice and fire is somebody's downfall comes from doing something out of the ordinary right Mm -hmm. rob makes every decision about exactly the way that you should make it even his bad decisions or, or decisions that it seems like it could go either way end up still sort of sort of being the right decision at the right time until he decides mm. to betray the phrase and go and and yeah. and and do and do something for love. Yeah. Like he's 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 arguing with Catelyn, right? About like we can't go get our sister, you know, we can't trade Jamie for our sisters because mm-hmm. 
we have to use him as it's a strategic piece. We need him as a, as a, as a prisoner, but then he does something for love, but you know, that's Catelyn's motivation is wanting to trade this sort of peace, Jamie Lannister for her, her daughter's back. Um, you know, not thinking about the strategic nature of it and doing it for love. Well, Rob's ultimate downfall is that. So Littlefinger's downfall has to has to come. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill which i do believe will probably happen in winds of winter if mm -hmm. you know we don't if we don't add in another book which at this point we really need to um, <laughs> yeah 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 we really need to, really need to yep but little fingers downfall should be making a move that's not calculated yeah so hear me, hear me out on something. Let me read to to, to you a couple quotes because this is, this is, we need to give this this character more thought, like a lot, <laughs> a lot more, thought. more thought. And I need to go look at the symbolism and, and some of the things around him because he is he's interesting. He tells Eddard Stark. I'm going to read these. These are on um, uh, a wiki of ice and fire. So he talks about Eddard being a slow learner and distrusting me was the wisest thing you ever did since you climbed off your horse. I did warn you not to trust me you know so never trust this guy right uh peter says to sansa a bag of dragons may buy a man's silence for a while but a well-placed quarrel buys it forever right kill someone they're not going to speak so i actually think when we start making winds of winter predictions one of the things we can look at is who is he going to kill or assassinate next like lysa he kills lysa okay um yeah. he i mean he, he kills several people to keep this thing quiet People who are in his employ, for example, Lynn Corbury is, is somebody who he's got in his employ. He has uh, the Kettle Blacks in his employ. These are all people that maybe at some point in time, it's time for them to go. I actually think the family connection to the Kettle Blacks might be a bit of his undoing because they are a family. You're not going to get them to turn on one another, and it's going to be, a, it, you're taking down four individuals versus the, the three Kettle Blacks and then their, their father who's with, um, who's with Baelish. But uh, so, yeah, you can you can look at people he might assassinate. Now, something else here. He is talking about he's talking to Sansa again. Yeah. In King's Landing, there are two sorts of people, the players and the pieces. Here we go. Everyone wants something, Elaine. So when she's Elaine Stone, everyone wants something. And when you know what a man wants, you know who he is and how to move him. So I'm thinking, what does what does Littlefinger want? And so for our listeners, you know, think about that. What does Littlefinger want, and how can Sansa learn what that is? Is it Sansa? Is it power? Is it you know what is it that he wants and desires? And then how can you move him based upon that knowledge? So I kind of think Sansa may need to learn something about uh, Baelish. And if it is that he's super attracted to her or falling for her, that he has any type of romance or idea of of wedding, he was, he was in love with her mother. Maybe he goes down that route, and, and and Sansa uses that against him or something. Just just a thought. Yeah, yeah. And I have uh, some stuff I have pulled up here, but I don't want anybody's sort of thought pattern to get interrupted here. So let's take one quick break for 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 our our, our sponsor, uh, and then we'll come right back. 
Okay, as so um, I have some points here. Again, we're talking Peter Baelish and we're talking Winds of Winter. So this is this is really important here. So I'm just going to read from the wiki. So this is sort of where we're, where he's at uh, in A Dance of Dragons. Following the Red Wedding, the Lannisters produce a girl whom they claim to be the missing Arya Stark. They send the girl to marry Roose Bolton's son, Ramsay, hoping to cement the alliance between House Bolton and the Crown. Theon Greyjoy learns that the girl sent by the Lannisters to marry Ramsay Bolton is not Arya Stark, but a uh, disguised Jane Poole, who has been whipped and uh, trained, you know, while um, being kept in one of Peter's brothels. While mulling over Sansa Stark, Cersei Lannister recalls that before the Lannisters married her to Tyrion, Peter Baelish had offered himself to marry Sansa, but was rejected as a count of his low birth. Um, that is from... Uh, Cersei 2 uh, towards the very end of the book chapter 65 with the crown having huge financial problems due to the follies of Cersei Sir Kevin Lannister wishes that Peter Baelish was back in King's Landing as Master of Coin and that's in the Dance of Dragons epilogue so in some of the final you know six or seven chapters there as mm-hmm. of a Dance of Dragons before we jump into Winds of Winter you have the Lannisters thinking about and sort of perhaps wondering what if things had gone different with Baelish? Yeah, and then how do we get him back? How is he able to to gain coin? He was really good at moving people and moving money around and resources. Uh, he, he, yeah, he's just he's good at that. Um, so yeah, they they want him back, and as you said, that was interesting. I kind of forgot that. Like he offers himself for possibly being somebody who could who could marry Sansa, and it's because of his low birth or his low status. And so now he's Lord of Harrenhal, which seemingly is empty. I think he keeps Harrenhal, but then he moves to the Vale and now he's, uh, he's regent there essentially over sweet Robin. And, and who knows where he goes from there, tries to acquire another seat of power, maybe Winterfell. If, if this whole thing with, um, Roos and Stannis gets resolved in, in some way, possibly we could, we could have some, uh, power grab there, uh, which is the thing. I mean, he wants to climb the ladder and, you know, get, um, gain more power and maybe through that he thinks he's worthy of not worthy of Sansa but that the realm would accept him as you know right. her suitor so you know the the epilogue actually here um is a really sort of interesting chapter the uh, epilogue to a dance of dragons because it's sort of it's Kevin Lannister's chapter where ultimately he's killed by Varys which again is Peter Baelish's sort of Op- it's the opposite side of the spectrum. That is who we sort of have always viewed as his equal or his his sort of rival. You know, in this chapter, uh, in this chapter, Kevin Lannister himself is sort of you know he's looking he's looking at the map, he's doing all this planning, he's sort of thinking quite a bit about a lot of the characters and a lot of the players in 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 the story you know in the story themselves and how he can sort of best go forward thinking about sort of who some of these men are, you know? Um, and so, and again, and there's a lot of the John Connington, uh, a lot of John Connington, young Griff, a lot of this stuff is, is, is really starting to, to play itself up here. So uh, sort of here, here, here we go here. I'm going to dive into some of this, some of this chapter. Um you know, behind the table where the five members of the king's small council were seated, the Iron Throne crouched like some great black beast. Its barb and claws and blades half shrouded in shadow, Kevin Lannister could feel it as his back. 
an inch between the shoulder blades. It was easy to imagine old King Ares perched up there, bleeding from some fresh cut, glowering down. But today the throne was empty. He had seen no reason for Tommen to join them. Uh, kinder to let the boy remain with his mo- kinder to let the boy remain with his mother. The seven only knew how long his mo- um, mother and son might have together before Cersei's trial and possibly her execution. So then Mace Tyrell um, starts to speak with him. He's thinking about uh, you know, Grandmaster, uh, you know, Pycelle. Um, you know, this is how it was when a man grown as old as Pycelle. Everything you see or hear reminds you of something you saw or heard when you were young. You know, sort of thinking, you know, this guy's sort of dumb. Um, they go on to talk a little bit about, um, you, you know, some of the Kagane's old men's um the mountain and stuff like that and so he's going mm-hmm. forward and, and going forward and then it's just it's quite interesting that most of the people he is sort of reflecting on here he's even you know even prince reg uh he said he had known john connington slightly a proud youth the most headstrong of the uh gaggle of young of young lordlings who had gathered around prince regar targaryen competing for his royal favor arrogant but able and energetic that uh, and his skills at arms was why old mad Car- uh, King Ares had named him Hand. So <clears throat> again, here's another person that he's sort of, you know, thinking of, and he's still sort of viewing him, I would say, with a negative connotation. But then when we get to Littlefinger, uh, and I'm trying to pull it up the exact quote, and I will here in a second, mm-hmm. but just, just since we already read it, he's kind of saying, wow, again, wishing that Littlefinger were back as master of the coin. And that's how we end... And then, and then we end this with Varys, his, his sort of antithesis. So seems like Baelish's plans should be coming to the end of the fold in Winds of Winter. Yeah, it should. It, 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 it should. You've had Varys and, and Littlefinger um, kind of like the, the, the association or the proximity of, of ending a, a final thought from Kevin Lannister about having um, Littlefinger back on the council and things like that, and then Varys showing back up and killing him and putting an end to that is, is, is interesting. I wonder, um, you know, the, the thing with Varys, let me, let me go back here to a Dance with Dragons uh, summary, right? So he has Tyrion smuggled across the Narrow Sea, just real quick here. Uh, Depentos, uh, Tyrion's meeting, you know, Illyrio, all that stuff is going well. Varys had Aegon smuggled to Essos to be raised, you know, by Lord John Connington. And so on, Varys, Illyrio, and the Golden Company now plot to wed the teenager to Daenerys, uh, Daenerys, and so on. Uh, Varys employs the secret passage of the Red Keep to enter the chamber of Grand Maester Pycelle and kill him. He then dispatches one of his little birds to fetch Sir, Lannister, uh, Sir Kevin Lannister, now Lord Re- Regent after Cersei's disgrace, under the pretext that uh, the Grand Maester had a message for him. Varys shoots Kevin with a crossbow, going on to apologize, and notes that his actions are not out of malice, but rather because Kevin's competent leadership threatens to undo Cersei's follies and years of Varys's careful planning. So, like, what's interesting is a part of Kevin's thoughts are bring Littlefinger back, right, and bring him here to to, to the capital to continue playing the Game of Thrones. I think Varys is very happy with him away. No good advisors, no good advice, because even Littlefinger would give tidbits of good advice and would help Cersei and the Lannisters uh, go down a, a particular path, but yet he still is playing his own game. And I think 
really. It's interesting that Varys wants almost chaos to kind of erupt in King's Landing and sort of same thing that uh, uh, that Littlefinger does in the beginning of this is wanting chaos to just erupt. And so they're both agents of chaos, in, in, in my opinion, right here. Yeah, it's I oh mean, it's 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 so wow. Just it's so interesting reading. I'm just looking. I'm looking over this chapter right now because so much of it is then, you know, then Kevin Lannister sort of walking around. He goes, he talks to Cersei. And so much of it is kind of it, it feels like even though we know he's going to die, it feels like that that type of a chapter, like somebody almost looking back saying, you know, if we if I could he talks about putting Lancel Lannister um, in the King's Guard. He talked he, he's reflecting on Rhaegar um he's you know he's thinking about the dead babe and you know if Rhaegar had married Cersei none of this stuff would have would have ever happened and then we're going to cut again to Varys and we're going we're going to cut to Varys Varys killing him and sort of talking about uh, young Griff and 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 Aegon and wouldn't it almost be so much more sort of poetic as if where you almost leave this, you almost, with this chapter, you're sort of building up, you know, the Lannisters could rise. And then ultimately it ends with Varys saying, no, the Lannisters are done. I think the show maybe have tainted us. What if the Lannisters are done at the end yeah. of this next, at the, at, at the end of this next book? Yeah. I, and actually, then we do, yeah. and then we do just move into the winds of winter. The, it is now the White Walkers coming down and the, and the final book, isn't even about the Lannisters. The like the the Game of Thrones is over, and it's now the Song of Ice and Fire. Well, then Baelish, I think, would be out by the ends of Win Winter. I mean, do you do you think Peter Baelish survives Winds of Winter? Yes. If we don't, because... if we don't go three books, if we just go two. Well, I think you know what, Matt. I think I think George is sitting there himself saying, "How do I kill Baelish?" Well, I know, but in but, yes. in theory, and in, in, in theory, in theory, yes. I actually think even yeah, because I think in these epilogues or or George trying to keep things real, just like you had Cersei stick around until the very end in the show, and and, and be this this player and not take she didn't take part in all that you know. Um, magic and craziness going on out there at Winterfell. Replace her with someone like Baelish, who has gone down to King's Landing and just stays out of all of that, and you let the big heroes go fight their fight, and he's going to keep playing the Game of Thrones. Like, I think he could do that. Um, and then ultimately you have something at the end, some great counsel or whatever, where in which he is betrayed subtly. Like, like he becomes almost a big bad villain. There's too many villains, man. You, we, we're not even talking about, like, like uh, you, Euron showing right. up outside of old town in, in the high towers potent, potentially the boltons potentially stannis could, could St right, talk right. about the, like you yeah. too many threads yeah. there's too many and you don't have enough time to wrap all of those up so or you have to bring characters together in in some way not in two books but that's yeah but that's sort of a difference but so yeah. i guess i guess the what do we well, what do we think yeah. Baelish going going forward I I mean I don't think that Baelish is going to and I you know even this maybe I'm reflecting on the beginning where it's like we think he's too low birth I don't think he's too low birth to not be important going forward I think he has one massive sort of moment that's that that's going to come but I don't think that he's going to be involved in the Song of Ice and Fire you know White Walkers Danny mm -hmm. John Azor High Lightbringer stuff 
nope, no, he's not interested in that. He and Varys are playing a, a different game. Then, so when you look at Danny and John, it's almost like you have two stories going on, right? You have the story of the, the, the modern sort of like your history textbook story of who ruled, who set the throne, all these different things. And then a, a greater overarching story that is legendary that will be remember, remembered for 10,000 years. No one remembers the like who was necessarily the ruling knights or, or I'm sorry, not knights, but like lords or kings during Westeros. But they do remember the long night and the and the last hero and these names and those big symbols. So there's like that overarching big battle is is happening with our our great players, our, our sword wielders, dragon riders, and so on. And then Varys is playing a different game, and Littlefinger is playing this game. You know, I thought of something that you talk about big twists, and you go back and look at Varys and Peter Baelish and how many times they have these little talks to one another, and they do it in the show quite a bit. It wouldn't surprise me if they both sort of know the the game that the other person is playing and they're even playing the game somewhat together to meet, to make their own ends because Varys does Varys really care if Littlefinger is some wealthy man in Westeros and he rose from nothing just like Varys is rising from nothing like let me read to you something here real quick this is um went to a search of ice and fire and found this this is in a Game of Thrones, Matt. This this is Catelyn Seven, okay. And the, Littlefinger has been on George's mind for a long time. The fight between him and Brandon. Brandon was a man grown, and he drove Littlefinger all the way across the Bailey and down the water stair, raining steel on him with every stab until the boy was staggering and bleeding from a dozen wounds. This is Littlefinger in his youth. Now, sometimes what happens to you as a young boy or in your youth can scar you. He could be so embarrassed and so beaten and defeated and whatever that he says, I will never, ever be this individual again. I'm never going to be in this situation again. It's what's driving him forward. So when you get to know more about Littlefinger, I think you think you look at Varys and his backstory. These are two individuals that are similar that just from different parts of the world, one born in Westeros, one in Essos, and, you know, what have you. Uh, yield, he called. This is Brandon saying to, to Littlefinger, yield uh, once more. But Peter never, he shook his head. He fought on grimly. When the river was lapping at his ankles, Brandon finally ended it with a brutal backhand cut that bit through Peter's uh, rings and leather into the soft flesh below his ribs, so deep that Catelyn was certain that the wound was mortal. He looked at her as he fell, and he murmured, Cat. Uh, as the bright blood came flowing out between his um, between his mailed fingers, she thought uh, that she had forgotten that. And so I just was reading that. And I'm thinking because I looked up Littlefinger and trying to look up quotes. I'm like, dang, this is a guy who, when you think about Varys and his backstory, he's going to reveal they're beaten. They they did not come from. I don't know, they came from these humble beginnings. Why would Varys care if Littlefinger just does his thing? They're both agents of chaos, creating chaos, where in which they can push forward their own agenda. And, and Littlefinger's is simply just, he wants to be a man in power, respected, and uh, have Sansa or whatever it is that, that he wants there. And what does Varys want? I mean... we It's, it's, it's hard to say. I think Varys ultimately does... Uh, you know, again, it's in the show. Uh, the the I want I want what's best... For the well, he says it here too. He says it in the books too. For the realm, for the realm, right? And I actually do think Varys could die in a in a similar way, where it's has some sort of impact. Where, like, I think I think Danny killing him, like we saw in the show. I think I actually kind of thought 
it felt sort of like, hey, we just need to get rid of him because just the final season. But I think his end will be similar to mm-hmm. that. I don't I don't think he's going to get it sort of out manipulated. See, Littlefinger to me is is much more on the opposite side because Varys kills Kevin Lannister here. He tells Kevin Lannister about his plans and then just sort of stabs him in the dark. Littlefinger to me isn't that type of a character. Littlefinger kind of reminds me of you think like the old, you know, like the old James Bond movies or sort of like that older age of comic book heroes. Littlefinger to me has to sort of make it a point. He's not really just going to go stab somebody in the in the middle of the night. Littlefinger is he he's he's like the James Bond villain, you know, Goldfinger where he's got James Bond, you know, tied up <laughs> on the chair it's like a laser and it's gonna it has to be sort of like this big epic moment like you know you can escape if you can like whereas you know the obvious thing to do is if you wanted to kill him would be to just you know shoot him right right right, right. the the obvious way to just to just kill somebody but that is sort of baelish to me is because of i think i kind of liked what that that theory said i don't think it's gonna maybe that his his plan i don't know this will get down that way but it is sort of, I will, I will show you and I will turn this all on you because that's sort of poetic. Like when he, you know, when he grabs Ned, you know, and has, and has, and has the knife next to him, you know, and I like that, that's his type of moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. I get it for sure. Uh, let me, this just while we're looking through this lens of, of Peter Baelish, uh, Matt, there's some crazy... Okay, so those of you who have been following along with our kind of color symbolism, food symbolism, things like that, green and black, remember we had that conversation about being green with envy and things like that? Sansa's first impression of of Peter. Uh, He had gray, green eyes that did not... Did, that did not smile when his mouth did. So he's got green eyes, you know, green with you know envy, whatever. Um, he's clever as a boy. All these different things. We see Littlefinger. The gods only know what game Littlefinger is playing. That's Varys to Illyrio, his friend. Okay, Littlefinger. The gods only know what game Littlefinger is playing. So maybe there, I got to take back what I said earlier because Varys is saying this to Illyrio. He doesn't know what he's playing, but. I don't know that he's actively working against him. Varys says to Eddard Stark, Littlefinger is the second most devious man in the Seven Kingdoms. The second most devious man. Um, and then Ed- Eddard actually right. asked him at one point, are you in league with Littlefinger? And he said, I would sooner wed the black goat of Kohor. So, no. Right. So right right here. So this is the this is the line. I will try to remember exactly what he said. As his men died around him, Littlefinger slid Ned's dagger from his sheath and shoved it up under his chin. Remember, he's slitting Ned's dagger up mm-hmm. too, right? That's the other part of it too. His mm-hmm. smile was apologetic. I did warn me. I did warn you not to trust me, you know. That is Littlefinger. It's, mm-hmm. it has to be, you know, over the top-ish, dramatic. That's, that's, that is his, his style. His end game would be something, would be, would be something al- along those lines. Well, I mean, then his end game might even be that he betrays Sansa Stark in the end. Like he might actually lull her into maybe she's just another piece. Again, he is trying to trying to tutor her, and he says we're either you're either a player or you're a piece, right? He's always t- telling her tidbits. I I, so, I, I, I I don't know. I I do legitimately think that he does want Sansa since yeah. he since cat since cat's dad. I do legitimately believe that he wants he wants Sansa Stark because that is also sort of a slap in the face to to Brandon. Oh yeah. I can't have Catelyn Tully. All right. Yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll yeah. have a Stark then. 
yeah. I'll, you know, I will be the ruler of Winterfell. Right, right. Yeah, and I'm just trying to think, though, who else are is Littlefinger kind of lulling into trusting him that he would betray? Clearly the Lannisters, because they're all wishing. Yeah, they're all wishing he'd be back. Okay, yeah, and so that that there you go. That's that's a good option. I like that. But, but that's what the theme is in a Game of Thrones. That yeah, I mean, Eddard Stark, the wisest thing he ever exactly. did was not trust me. Um, and then right. now I told you, I warned you, don't trust me. Right. And so yeah. Ah. Uh, so that might be that might that might be that might be it for 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 the Lannisters too. Is he might he might end up being the one who sort of comes, comes in there and ultimately helps cause, you know, cause their, their fate, I guess. And, you know, the other thing that, 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 that theory broke down was the fate. We still have them to sort of, yeah, sort of, to sort of, to sort of, sort of deal with. I mean, if you're little finger right now, you are actually in the best little finger is in the best position of anybody right now to be entirely, to be entirely honest, the Lannisters have the faith to deal with. Uh, they're still you have the you have the faith to deal with the Tyrells are there sort of like chomping at your legs like trying to rise up in power, and you've got now young Griff coming over. Not to mention Stannis is still out there, uh, you know. But Stannis has got the Boltons to deal with. You know, there's everybody else has kind of got everything stuff to deal with. Not Littlefinger. He's sort of chilling no. in the veil, biding his time. Which, which is again why I, I, the show when you bring the veil in and they attack uh, up at Winterfell and they're so overwhelmingly strong, the Knights of the Veil, and they've got their horses, they're on cavalry. I think that if you take something from that and you say, why do, why do it that way? Not just the Sansa piece or whatever, but the veil is still strong, militarily super strong, untouched, and now you have another war facing the southern region, right near King's Landing, and you have this. Um, Golden Company, and you've you've got Young Griff and, and such. They've just faced so much hardship right. and war, and their resources are depleted. Right. You, it could be it could be a moment where we deal with the faith because I, I the faith the, the faith storyline I, I think is also going to run its course is going to be I think the faith thing will be over early in 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 Winds of Winter. Um, so you so you you get them out, and then Young Griff comes, and then it might be a situation like how the land is, or how you know robert took king's landing right it could almost be a flip it could almost be a flip side of that where we mean so when, when robert takes king's landing the 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 targaryens are there and then it's open the gates right the oh, lannisters are yeah, coming yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. now it could be the veil thinking baelish is coming mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know baelish is here helping young griff and right. then that's where he makes that's where he makes the proposal well we could marry Sansa to young Griff, which gets our Targaryen mm-hmm. thing, especially because her first marriage, if you want to go by that theory, is to Joffrey, um, you know, Baratheon, mm-hmm. air quote, even though he's really sort of Joffrey Lannister, although technically he's actually like Joffrey Hill or Stone or what he's is it? Bastard, Rock? Yeah, yeah. Right. He's a bastard. Yeah. So <laughs> his, his technically he should be Joffrey, whatever. Right. So you're saying that he could, if if you're betrothed to a young Griff who people are calling Fagon, it, it's sort of right. Like so even if circle. he even if he even if he isn't even if he isn't, then it would it would still serve because we already have one that serves the purpose as a uh, not a Baratheon, even though it it, it it sort of even though he is technically he is Jamie or Joffrey, excuse me, Baratheon, and then heck, some people even view the Tyrion one as not a 
as mm-hmm. as as not a legitimate that's not a legitimate deal so yeah hey let me throw this out here and if in you know i know sometimes we get kind of long in the podcast and people don't always listen all the way to the end which is totally fine but uh remind me to hit up lady adrian about this so if you look on the wiki it's reported that one of george's inspirations for peter baelish is this guy piers gaveston uh or, or gaveston okay. and he's the first or first earl of cornwall and I know she's into this kind of stuff, and she's a great uh, history uh, writer and student of history. And I just kind of wonder. She's made some really good connections for us with Marjorie Tyrell and um, how pretty her neck is. Piers Gaveston. Yeah. Gaveston. Yeah. The first Earl of Cornwall. Yes. Yeah. And just and just like how he's negotiating different things. And so that's someone who he was inspired by. There's also a Gatsby character as well. Um, and I can look him up here, but I just thought a connection to history is kind of cool. And I'm trying to figure out more about his story and if there's any connections to Baelish and some hinting as to maybe where Baelish's story is going to go by looking at the Earl of Cornwall. Like that would be, that would be a cool connection because we need to bring Lady Adrian back on and talk about, uh, Marjorie Tyrell and all the connections, uh, that, that she was making there. Cause that was, that was insane. And, and that's totally, I can see George doing some. Pulling in bits of history and, and inspiration uh, in, into his writing. So, cool cool kind of connection. I just I just found it and I thought I'd share it with you guys. And you guys yeah. can go look this guy up and see what you think. Study some history. Yeah, well, he, hey, well this, this guy was killed by, um, looks like he sort of, I don't know, broke some treaties or something here. It says, ultimately, he was killed. Um, two Welshmen ran him through with a sword and beheaded him. So okay, so that's how Baelish is going. (laughs) (laughs) He's gonna so Arya and Sansa stab him, and and he's beheaded. Wow, there we there we go. So interesting. So anywho, yeah, thanks ultimately here to um, Master Daruk Derek or however we're however D U R E K. I don't know Maester. I'm gonna say Daruk just because I like like it's from Zelda. Yeah. So um. Right. So ultimately, hey, thank you for sending us that. So again, guys, we, we keep saying if you guys want us to talk about somebody, sometimes it might just be a video. Sometimes we might do a whole episode, whole podcast episode on it. Darn right, man. Darn right. I I am now very happy that we've looked up Peter Baelish again and gone back and figured out a few things because the more we did some of the because I just found a few more references to him in the color green and green with envy and all these different things and then varus and his his associate his association with the color black which is like if you're looking at who may come out on top there in the end i mean that's i don't know just just things that to, to, to think about and to mull over uh it's it's awesome so yeah they very much a thank you because this has been cool and i'm sure we can make more connections in the future now absolutely so all right guys well with that we want to thank you for playing the game of thrones our next episode we'll be back talking about chapter 65 Sansa 8 of a clash of kings if you like our podcast don't forget to subscribe like us write a review leave a comment or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com we will see you in a week and remember that winter is coming
Hello and welcome to Ben the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Peter Baelish's... Oh, fuck me. What in the fuck did they were... We are oh, because I say Peter Baelish little fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. Today we're in. T- <laughs> I'm like, Jesus a- fucking I'm a- Christ. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, uh, what's his name? The Ron Burgundy. Dude. <laughs> what's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Oh, 